You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander's up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Welcome to Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Why let sleeping dogs lie when you can take the bull by the horns and let the fur fly? So get your claws out and get ready to rattle some cages on Pet Peeves with your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Shojai. Hey there, and welcome to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Amy Shojai, and today we're talking about babies and dogs and keeping the peace and your sanity. Look out. Here comes my rant of the week. Today, many of us look on our dogs as part of the family. We even go so far as to call them our babies. But what happens when a human infant enters the picture? Dogs bite nearly 5 million people a year, most of them kids. Some new parents play it safe and simply get rid of the dog. Yeah, I can hear you guys screaming even as we talk. Others couldn't think of getting rid of their beloved pet. And they put up with all kinds of problems and hijinks. Who's right? Who's wrong? What about the dog's feelings? When he throws a tantrum, or worse, and the parents-in-law lobby for a solution, what's a dog lover to do? My guest today is Jennifer Shryock, a certified dog behavior consultant with the International Association of Animal Behavior Consultants. She's also behind the highly successful Dogs and Storks canine re-education course that offers hope to the parents-to-be of expectant dog lovers. So come, sit, stay, and we'll be right back with Jennifer Shryock after these messages. Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. Does your dog have problems walking with its back legs? If so, your dog is one of 58 million dogs that suffer with problems with its rear legs, problems such as spinal myelopathy, arthritis, and hip dysplasia. Bottoms Up Leash helps your dog walk. It's a rear support harness that has won numerous awards, such as Dog Fancy's Editor's Choice Award as Product of the Year, and it's been featured on CBS and Good Morning America. Visit the website www.seniorpetsupplies.com. Pets are part of the family, and when traveling with your dog, there's only one magazine to include when packing your doggy's duffel bag, and that's Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog. Each bi-monthly issue includes hotel, city and state reviews, and doggy destinations to explore with your furry companion. Fido Friendly magazine can be found at Borders, Barnes & Noble, PetSmart, Pet Boutiques, and Fido Friendly Hotels nationwide. Or you can go online to subscribe at www.fidofriendly.com. So get traveling with your pet today and leave no dog behind. And remember, Fido Friendly's the only magazine dedicated to the travel lifestyle of man's best friend and the one magazine your dog will thank you for.
New York, the glitz, the glamour, the exciting Muttropolis, the sparkling kitty city that never sleeps. Join us each week for Pets in the City with your host, Diane West. Celebrity pet sightings, hot events, and news and reviews with the hottest movers, shakers, and tail waggers in New York. So take a bite out of the Big Apple with Pets in the City every week on demand only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves. So here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun. Welcome back to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. And please help me welcome Jennifer Shryock a dog and child relationship expert with some pretty nifty insights into our topic. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. Thank you for having me. Well, before we start and get into the nitty-gritty, I always like to ask uh, my guests, tell me a little bit about yourself. What dogs and cats or iguanas or what what critters (laughs) do you have in your household? Well, I'll begin with my two-legged. I actually have uh, a 12-year-old son and a 10-year-old son and a 7-year-old daughter. And so they kind of started everything with this topic, which is really important to mention. And then we adopted a uh, German Shepherd. My first dog was Moose. He was a German Shepherd and a rescue. And that's what started Dogs and Storks for me was my involvement with dog rescue and seeing so many dogs return to rescue or just um, the calls we received. I was president of German Shepherd Rescue and saw so many dogs being returned or just people having fears. Um, Currently, though, we have a female Shepherd Malamute mix. We have a Siberian Husky. We have a Pitbull and a German Shepherd who's a foster. We also have four cats. And currently, we have a foster mama cat and her six kittens. So we do have a wow. busy household. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I know that um, many people uh, will say my dog acts differently when I became pregnant. Do do dogs know when a woman is pregnant? And if so, what what kind of behaviors do you see? There can be some changes in the way that the dog may act. Sometimes due to the changes that the mom is going through. For example, there are changes chemically with the mom, so they're going to smell different, but they're going to move differently as well. So they, especially towards the end of the pregnancy, some mothers are going to be moving in a more vulnerable way that is different for the dog. Their posture is going to be changing and different, and that's going to be unique for the dog to be, they're not going to be certain of what's going on. Their balance is going to be a little shaky. Early on in pregnancy, Mom may be feeling a little less, you know, active, might be experiencing a lot of morning sickness, so her behavior might be a little different, and dogs may not be as familiar with that, you know, not knowing what's going on, her energy level could be down, so activity for the dog might be lowered and decreased, there could be some mood changes with mom, and so, you know, some dogs are going to be reactive to the changes going on. But some of the changes I'll see, maybe it can be a little more protectiveness, a little insecurity can be a little more neediness, things like that. So it just depends on each individual dog. But, yes, sometimes we do see changes. Well, and I think also just looking at it from, you know, the dog's perspective, where did mom's lap go? (laughs) Where did it go? Or maybe it's a bigger platform for them to hang out on. (laughs) (laughs) 
There you go. I know when when I was researching the chicken soup for the dog lover's soul, some of the stories we got were extremely touching about the conciliatory behavior of dogs toward their their pregnant owners and how the relationship changed during this time. So it can it can maybe be a very good thing on one paw, so to speak, and but then there can be some kind of scary things too. I mean, what are some some dangerous things if the dog is acting more protective of the mother-to-be. Can that interfere with other relationships in the family? It can if there is some concern, um, if the dog is feeling that the mom is extremely vulnerable and the dog doesn't really understand or know, you know, what's going on. Again, I really encourage people to pay attention to what their dog is doing and reinforce their obedience and the things that they've learned in basic manners class, you know, to provide stability for the dog so that they know what's going on. I think it's when dogs don't know what, what's expected and what to do that they get insecure and they feel like, you know, they don't know what's expected, you know. And sometimes husbands can be on the receiving end of that instability. Sometimes other family members or maybe even a, a doula or a midwife who's coming in to take care of mom, um, especially if mom's on bed rest or needing some extra tending to towards the end of the pregnancy. So it's important that we keep the dog in consideration and we, we firm up any of the basic obedience skills because obedience really does provide comfort. The dog knows what's expected when they're given a command and we practice that continuously. It's really good for them. So if your dog already knows some obedience, then practice that. And if they don't know obedience, this is maybe a good time to enroll them in a class and practice some of these basics? Absolutely. The more a dog knows what to do, the more comfortable they're going to be and the more successful they're going to be in general. It provides them with something to do. When a dog's in an indecision and they don't know what to do, they're usually really unsure and that can make them even more stressed out in situations where they just don't know what to do. But if you can say, okay, go lay down or go get your ball or go do this, then they think, ah, I know, I know what to do and they know what's expected. So that's a really good way to keep them comfortable and it's a great way for them to be successful. Okay, and taking it a step further there, if they don't have something to do and they're very stressed and, you know, worst case, what are some problems that could happen without the right preparation? I mean, what, in your experience, what are some of the things that have happened that get those people calling you saying, oh, please, Jennifer, help me. What am I going to do? Well, you know, the, the people that call usually have a lot of fears of what the what if. Either they have had a previous history of a bite incident, their dog has had aggression in the in the past and they're concerned, or their dog is um, maybe has not liked children previously. Their dog has been around other children and so they have some fears. And what I try to do is help them to recognize the, the signs and the what their dog is communicating. And we try to work on recognizing the body language their dog is giving and we try to have them become familiar with those signals the dog is offering and we try to help the dog to become more relaxed and more receptive to different situations and different, you know, experiences. But a lot of times too, if the people are unsure of what's going on and don't know how to recognize the body language and just don't understand what's going on and have that fear element, that's a lot of my calls. They just have a fear of what could happen. 
So talking through a lot of that and fearing the worst and really understanding what people's bottom line fear is. For example, the dog's going to attack the baby or the dog's going to do something. If we can get to the bottom line of you have full control over your dog because we're not going to allow that to happen because you're going to be 100% supervising your baby. You know what I mean? If we can get to the point of you have full control over this, that's the good news. (laughs) You are in charge. You are in control. And here's how you're going to make sure that doesn't happen. So if we address their ultimate fear and we give them a game plan, that immediately makes them feel much more relaxed about the situation. Okay, so we have problems that could happen with the dog if you don't have the right preparation, and then you have problems that could impact the baby as far as dangers. Mm -hmm. But also for the dog, I mean, the emotional upset to the dog here for maybe four, five, six, you know, longer, he's been... Your child, he's gotten all the attention, and suddenly now he's way down on the totem pole. He's no longer the most important thing in the world, and, you know, we can't explain that. So the dog's upset. How do we teach the dog that he's still important to us, but, you know, there's a little stranger in the house that we need to take care of, too? Absolutely. I think it's important that we include the dog as much as possible in daily routines and activities within the comfort of everybody involved. So including the dog in structured exercises, and there's a lot of different ways to do that where things are safe and supervised. There's a lot of different activities that I like to include, plus also providing mental stimulating activities as well. So maybe things like hiring a dog walker if mom and dad are preoccupied with baby and exhausted, making sure the dog is getting their physical needs met if they're used to long walks, if they're used to trying to keep up with those regular activities the dog is used to getting, making sure those needs are met, but also remembering that mental stimulation is incredibly important for dogs. And I think a lot of times we forget how important that is. So keeping in mind that frozen food, you know, food dispensing toys and not just filling the food bowl up with food, but actually making it an interesting activity with fun and games with the food dispensing toys or an activity at dinner time instead of just filling the bowl. Those are great ways that are simple and fun, but give your dog something to do and also can be done very quickly and easily and are interactive. So there's lots of ways to include the dog and have special time. There's also ways, especially with new babies, that you can include the dog. I like to keep them in the room. Maybe tethering is an option so that they're in the room and you can easily toss food to them for calm behavior, reward them for good calm behavior. You know, again, there's lots of ways we can include the dogs in activities. Practice your downs. I do a game called Diaper Down where the dog is in the diaper area, you know, changing table, and and they're in a down until the diaper goes in the can, and then we release. Things like that, but finding ways, and that's what I do with a lot of families. We brainstorm ways to include the dog in the baby routines, and that way they're included, and they have fun, and it's a positive association. Right, and I think also if the dog starts to associate, hey, this is the only time I get that peanut butter stuffed Kong is when the baby's in the room. I like this baby. Right. And again, you know, looking at it from the perspective as, and that's another thing a lot of families struggle with, they feel a lot of guilt that the baby's going to take away from the dog. Well, actually, the baby's going to bring so much more love, so many more treats, 
and so much more activity. And I like to present it that way. This is really a great opportunity for the dog. And maybe not in the short run, but in the long run, this is going to be fantastic for the dog. So if we look at it from that perspective and we really focus on the positives, I really think that is the way to go. And for many dogs, mine would attest to that. (laughs) (laughs) Mine definitely thinks the kids are the best, let me tell you. (laughs) Okay, well, on that note, we are going to take a brief break and return in a moment with Jennifer Schreyock after messages from these sponsors. Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. Pick up something unique at a Bone to Pick Dog Boutique. A Bone to Pick has cool hip fashions for big and small dogs that will have their tails wagging in style. Cat products too. A-B-O-N-E-T-O-P-I-C-K.com. Check out our eco-friendly pet products and gifts for humans too. A-B-O-N-E-T-O-P-I-C-K.com. Get your pet's mouth watering monthly with our Gourmet Treat of the Month Club. And join a Bone to Pick's free birthday club for your puppy. A-B-O-N-E dash to dash p-i-c-k dot com pick up something special for your best friend at a bone to pick a-b-o-n-e dash t-o dash p-i-c-k dot com get 10% off with coupon code petlife Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in paparazzi, candid pictures of you and your pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. When you're looking to add a pet into your life, consider adopting a homeless animal from your local shelter or rescue group. Whether you want a kitten, puppy, or a more mature pet, a purebred or a -a one-of-a-kind mixed breed, even a rabbit or hamster, your shelter has the best selection of animals anywhere, all screened for good health and behavior. PetLifeRadio.com presents Take Me Home with your host, Susan Daffron. Join us each week as we showcase wonderful pets, tell stories, and even throw some pet education into the mix. So get ready to find out why the pet adoption option can be a great way to add a furry companion into your life. Take me home every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves. So here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun. 
We're back. And again, speaking with Jennifer Shryock, the owner of Family Paws, a dog behavior consulting service. She's also the United States coordinator for the Doggone Safe Dog Bite Prevention Program. Before the break, Jennifer, we were talking about some of the positive things that dogs may have happened to them as a result of a new baby in the house. The first thing that comes to my mind is babies drop treats. I mean, they drop cookies, they drop... I mean, it's pretty cool for a dog to hang out near a baby. They're going to be cleaning up some really tasty stuff. Yeah, they are. And and you just mentioned one of the my favorite things to teach them is a cleanup cue. There's nothing better than teaching dogs to wait at the edge of a kitchen until they're given the cleanup command. <laughs> oh, so they wait. Okay. Yeah, that's a fun game. That's a fun game, you know, so they can't clean up everything. I think dogs should know a take it, a beginning command and an end command so that not everything's fair game. And that's extremely important, especially with toddlers walking around. Take it, a take it command versus just I grab everything, you know, um, right. things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Otherwise, you might have tummy upsets. <laughs> well. Absolutely. Well, I wanted to also, before we go too much further, you created the Dogs and Storks program for uh, parents-to-be that happen to have dogs. What is that? Tell us a little more about that. I looked at and give us the website because I went there and it looks like a very interesting site and has a lot of resources there as well. Sure. It's dogsandstorks.com. And basically, this program is designed to prepare families with dogs for life with babies. So we'd like to cover some of the basic things. Um, you know, there's a DVD that covers really general basic information, the most common questions that families have asked me over the years. And for more in-depth information, people can attend a Dogs and Storks presentation or in-home consultation through a licensed presenter. We have over 35 around the country, and those need to be very qualified dog behavior consultants or trainers. And, you know, the program really is our goal, and my mission with this is to provide education so that, and really quality resources, so families can get answers to questions that they have and not feel like they're in over their heads. But I want people to have resources available to them and get the questions that they have regarding dog and baby interaction, get answers prior to something happening, but um, also ongoing support. We have free teleseminars, um, teleconferences for any family attending that um, we offer throughout the year so that people, anybody who's attended a workshop or um a class or bought the DVD, they can call in and ask questions as their baby grows because that's important. People have questions as the baby goes into every different stage of child development. And we really want resources available to families so that before there's a problem, we can have answers before things get out of hand. That's, right, that's right. my whole goal. Yeah. Because, well, and of course, keeping the dog in his home as well. As long as it's the right decision and the right solution for dogs. There are times some dogs are just absolutely not comfortable, and there have been times that a dog is not comfortable with small children and that the right choice is to find another home where they're going to be more comfortable. But I would say that's very rare. Most situations, the dogs absolutely do fantastic in the homes with kids. Usually it's the miscommunication 
between the dogs and children that can lead to the most conflict. And usually we can work through that. Yeah. Okay. For mothers to be that are out there listening right now, what should be done before the baby arrives? I mean, we hear about, and I consult with a lot of dog owners and also cat owners about bring something that smells like the baby home before, you know, from the hospital or, or, you know, start using baby lotion ahead of time. Don't spring this on the dog, you know, the day before the baby's coming home. Well, I think all of those things are good. And I, I, you know, our panel of dogs have not gotten back to us about those things, (laughs) how relevant they are to them. I don't think actually a blanket cues the dog that, yes, this is Johnny and forevermore I'm going to be friends. I think there are other things about those exercises that really make them more helpful. We do talk about them extensively and why they are helpful. Some of the things that I think are more effective and much more important, even more so than those exercises, are decreasing the amount of attention-seeking behaviors ahead of time, socializing dogs around different sounds, different types of um, kids, different ages of children, you know, being around small children, if you're able to, in a safe setting situation, a lot of puppy classes, you know, try to include things like going to parks, that kind of thing. Socialization, there's no replacement for that. And that's hugely important. Explain to listeners, what is socialization? Socialization, exposing your dog to as many, many learning environments and opportunities as you can. So parks, being different, just being exposed to different types of people, different sizes, small children, big children, being around different stimulation, different kids with hats on, even adults with hats on, different, different stimuli, different activities, different, all different things, being around bikes, being around fast motions, you know, pretty much every kind of stimulation you can imagine. A lot of obedience classes, a lot of puppy classes will do this type of activity to help prepare dogs and puppies four different types of circumstances. And this is something that usually we'll do for six weeks and then we just, we forget about it. And I encourage people to just continue to keep their dogs out and about and keep doing that. It's really important. But so also paying attention to your dog's sensitivity. If you can pay attention to what your dog, you know, how your dog reacts to sudden motion, how they react to changes in physical appearance, how they react to fast things, knowing how your dog really processes things is really important, um, and that's stuff that we cover in our program a lot. Okay, um, are those things different according to, do they differ from breed to breed or from yes. individual dog? They do differ from breed to breed, but even within the breed, the intensity, okay, may vary. So there is an individualist, there's, within the breed themselves, there's going to be the individual there too. So I like to pay attention to those things. So for example, my German Shepherds might pay attention to fast moving things, but even one over the other might pay attention more strongly than the other might. So I want to know. I had one that was extremely ball reactive and then one who really doesn't care. You want to pay attention so that you know what they might react to. That's incredibly helpful for when you bring in baby equipment, okay, these things that spin around. If your Jack Russell really likes to uh, chase spinny things, then you might not want to get one of those bouncer seats that has some little mobile low to the ground where it's spinning around and has the little lights that flash up. If your dog is sensitive to things like um, the TV turning on, okay, and the noise or the humming of the ceiling fan, then you may not want to have the baby bouncer with the vibration on it 
that some of them, the bouncers vibrate. And I've had dogs that are very sensitive to the vibrating on the bouncer seat and cats too, if it's on the wood surface. Okay, so things like that. We try to pay attention to all that stuff because as you bring in baby equipment, all of those sensitivities is hugely important. And that all the things we look at before the baby even comes because those are all the items we're going to be getting the dog used to prior to the baby coming in. And there's a lot to take into consideration. So, for instance, my dog goes nuts. He's a lot better about it now. But he <laughs> loves to chase the vacuum cleaner. And, and he will even try to... I have a German Shepherd boy. And he will even try to grab it and lift it up off of the carpet. So, I'm thinking, ooh, a stroller. This would be a fun thing. It wouldn't have that noise, but... I don't want the dog lifting the stroller up off the ground while I'm wheeling little Junior around. No, I'm thinking that would not be a good idea. And <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you want his assistance when you're going for a walk. No. Right. So, exactly. And knowing, knowing what his reaction is going to be. Again, you know, a lot of, I see a lot of adult men who love letting their golden retrievers or their dogs, their labs, chase remote control cars around parking lots. That's a lot of fun, and it's really funny. But then when your toddler has a remote control car or something like that, or your toddler's in a car, a little big wheel. A pedal car or something, yeah. Yeah. You know, these are things to think about, or the, the laser pointers and the kids with the flashing lights on their shoes. These are all things to think about, you know, and I try to get them to start thinking about how their dog reacts because if we can start to get them to think about these things, and those are all things that I never thought about until I had a dog who, you know, you know, we set up a Hot Wheels track and my shepherd took it down, you know. I had no <laughs> idea he was going to try to attack the Hot Wheels track and thank goodness my two kids were not right there. Anything that was moving fast or round and, and moved, it had to be his, you know. So these are the things we try to help parents tune into so that they really understand their dog and think like their dog so we can make the circumstances more comfortable when the baby comes into the situation and they can plan. But as far as like carrying a doll and baby sounds, carrying a doll, I think I know there's a lot of different mixed feelings about that. My whole purpose in carrying a doll is role-playing for the parents and because I really do believe that your posture changes. I encourage dads to put in 10 pounds of rice or something in a baby carrier and change their posture because when you have 10 pounds in front, my babies were all almost 10 pounds. So I, that's what I tell them, 10 pounds. But 10 pounds up front, mom doesn't have to do it because she's already got that going on usually. it's She's already carrying that. So. Right. I encourage them to do that, and I encourage them to feel what it's like with your hands occupied. And try giving your dog commands when you're leaning back on the couch. Try giving your dog commands when you're sitting on the floor. What happens when you sit on the floor? Does your dog come over and think that you're going to wrestle with them? These are all things that we need to get done ahead of time, not when the baby is in your arms. What happens when the dog comes to investigate you when you have something in your arms? How are you going to handle that, and will they listen to you? Are there any dogs, Jennifer, that absolutely should not be around an infant or a young child? And if so, how do you identify them? Now, I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. I'm a huge fan of pit bulls, and you say you have a pit bull, but I mean the perception out there is a pit bull and a baby. Are you insane? Well, you know, here's the thing. I think every single dog, you look at them, they're all animals. Okay, so any range and any dog has the potential to do damage. And the only one that's going to be safe is your stuffed animal. There you go. And that's that's the bottom line. And 
that's a question that's going to come up a million times. And, and, you know, people ask me what's a safe dog around a kid. And my answer is a stuffed one. If you want to make sure nothing happens, get a stuffed animal. And you have to supervise. And supervision means an adult there all the time and their hands on the baby. An adult there. Okay, well, what are some common mistakes that parents make regarding dogs and babies or young children? And, you know, for me, one of the first things coming to mind is the kid running up and hugging the dog, kissing the dog, some of the physical things, and the parents saying, oh, but he's just trying to love him, and the dog should not mind, and, and this kind of thing. Oh, you just opened up a whole new show topic here. Well, you know what? Sticking on the dog and baby thing and some common mistakes that we run into with the dog and baby, I'll tell you, sticking with that and visiting, um, this is a huge, huge mistake, and I see this. This is very common in most of the, um, in the, in the media, okay? When I see that there's been an infant bite or someone I work very closely with is um, Karen Delise, the author of Pitbull Placebo, And when there's been an incident with an infant and um, a bite, a lot of times it's a visiting baby. And what we need to be thinking about very seriously is when there is a baby in a home with uh, that's visiting and it's an unfamiliar dog, okay, that baby, even if it's a family dog, if it's a family dog, meaning the aunt's dog, and it's not the primary dog to that child, okay? Does that make sense? Right. It's a higher risk because that baby, even though it's, it's considered, quote, a family dog because it's within the family because it's the aunt, that baby is unfamiliar to that dog. And um, we need to always take higher precautions. It's not enough to put the baby in a pack-and-play in a room and not close the door, things like that. This is where common mistakes happen all the time, all the time, and a lack of supervision. And it's much more important for uh, visiting babies to be highly supervised in those situations. But you're right. When toddlers go running up to dogs, and I just had this, uh, did a consult yesterday, we must educate children about proper approach. I don't think it's ever a good idea for children to go running up to dogs. I encourage parents to have children call the dog to them versus startle the dog running up to them. It's just not a good situation. It it catches the dog off guard. It goes against all the doggy polite rules to be caught in the face. Um, Dogs don't come up to each other frontal approach and grab each other by the face. Toddlers require eye-to-eye contact. That's what we require as primates. We look at each other straight on. That's what we want. That's not how dogs want it. So everything about the way toddlers want that communication is just against the doggy rules. And it's offensive. It's rude to them. So it violates all the polite social stuff. Right, um, and a dog is going to, to want to, you know, to a dog, a polite correction or, you know, escape mm-hmm. um, yeah. could, could injure the child. Yeah, so the dog basically starts to pull away, which the child only wants to pull the dog closer. So what I usually find is the dog does beautiful, beautiful body language, but the child's doing the opposite body language. And so, you know, now the dog's going, okay, I I did all my proper things. I licked, I turned, I pulled away. You know, I'm trying to get out of the situation. And, you know, meanwhile, the kid thinks the dog's trying to kiss them and, you know, the dog, the child's trying to get eye contact back and the dog's pulling away. Now you get, it's a conflict. 
It's a major conflict. Well, people need to learn more about this. And tell us again, remind us again, where can folks go to learn more about dogs and storks? Dogsandstorks.com and also on our familypaws.com website, we have some dog body language photos and some information there and dogonsafe.com as well. We're about out of time, but I'd like to have you back, Jennifer, and talk about the Dog On Safe program at some point. Would you be uh, willing to do that? Absolutely. Great. Well, we are out of time, but I would like to thank Jennifer Shryock very much for joining us and the producers for making Pet Peeves possible. And I dare you to join me next week for Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio for the next installment of What Hisses You Off. Email me suggestions or post a note to my blog by dialing up PetLifeRadio.com and clicking on the Pet Peeves logo. You can get transcripts that way too. Woofs and wags until next time. And if you're expecting, make sure the fur kids get the necessary preparation well in advance. After all, you loved Fluffy first and he's still a part of the family and you really don't want the baby to get him peeved. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander is up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Join us each week on Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Shojai, will talk about what makes you howl and what hisses you off. Pet Peeves, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.